AOC and the happy fascists building our dystopian nightmare. Quote, Free societies are societies in motion, and with motion comes tension, dissent, friction. Free people strike sparks, and those sparks are the best evidence of freedom's existence. End quote. Salman Rushdie. Last week, Democrats Chuck Schumer and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez locked arms with conservative media mogul Rupert Murdoch to silence Tucker Carlson off Fox News. Yes, the same side that once fought against the blacklist and for cultural icons like Lenny Bruce and the Red Hot Chili Peppers was now cheering on de facto censorship by an oligarch. What a change from the old left. The legacy press gathered in all their splendor at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, luxuriating in an evening without fear of a Tucker Carlson monologue on Monday. That's some kind of power Carlson had. Let's shut him up before he does more damage by mocking the powerful. They were pretending that they had something to celebrate. Yet Biden was coming in with a catastrophic approval rating of 37% on Gallup, his lowest ever. The media was faring much worse in an AP poll, with a majority of Americans blaming them for dividing our country by 74%. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a poll from Gallup. Joe Biden's approval ratings go from 57 to 44 to 37. And then from the AP, a poll that shows 74% of Americans think that the media increases political division. Quote, Republicans view the news media less favorably than Democrats, with 61% of Republicans saying the news media is hurting democracy, compared with 23% of Democrats and 36% of independents who don't lean toward either party. Majorities across party lines say the news media fuels political division, but Republicans are much more likely than Democrats to say that it's happening a lot. End quote. I can say with 100% certainty that it's true that each side sells hatred of the other side. I was taught to hate the right from the media on the left. And then I was taught to hate the left by the media on the right. It's a daily battle for me to remember to humanize those I disagree with. But these are not two equal sides. The media on the left controls everything and is in everything. From social media users on Twitter to those who build the social media sites, to all of Hollywood, nearly every university and book publisher, are all sucked into the same fascist-like ideology. Fascism is taken from the Italian word fasci, which means individual sticks of wood bound together as one. Fascism, then, is the power of government, corporations, culture, and every major industry of power against the individual by force, if necessary. The right just doesn't have that kind of power, especially not the populist right. They're working-class citizens who have been abandoned by nearly every part of American life at the hands of the new elite class that has overtaken it. We don't yet know why Murdoch dumped Carlson, whether it was January 6th, Ukraine, the vaccine, Trump, or Big Pharma's grip on cable news advertising. But there is no doubt that the Democrats supported it, as was evidenced by Joe Biden's mocking Carlson and Fox at the Correspondents' Dinner. They love nothing more than a one-sided fight. 
They pretend to care about democracy, but what they really care about is preserving their fasci. That makes them happy fascists. It's fascism with a smile. Intolerance dressed up in a lawn sign, condemning hate dressed up as love. It was bad enough when Chuck Schumer barked at Rupert Murdoch from his powerful perch at the Senate. How dare the extreme MAGA Republicans give Carlson's team access to the January 6th tapes, which is information the public deserves to know, like Audrey Hale's manifesto, which is still under the protection of the state. Because of course it is. Schumer commanded Murdoch to shut Carlson down. There is no fighting in the war room. There is no democracy, no freedom of speech, no freedom of information, and no disputing the official story in our people-run government. Here's a scene from Dr. Strangelove. Who does Schumer think he is? A monarch? How dare he demand an oligarch to silence a journalist? How dare he prevent the public from knowing the truth about that day? Happy fascists know they have nothing to fear. They control the media, and so they control the message. This video from Rising. Tucker Carlson is hitting back at critics who say previously unseen footage from January 6th should remain out of the public domain. And for 26 months, that footage was held from the American public. The January 6th committee made certain Now, the Justice Department also kept a lid on that video footage. And in fact, in some cases, DOJ did not share it with criminal defendants who'd been charged on January 6th in violation of their constitutional rights. So we felt it was a public service to bring what we could to you. There was no justification for keeping this secret any longer and a powerful argument to be made that sunlight is always and everywhere the best disinfectant. And in fact, because it was video evidence, It is, to some extent, self-explanatory. Anyone can look at the tape and decide what he or she thinks of it. Yesterday, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer slammed Carlson's coverage and called for Fox News to shut it down. Quote, to say the January 6th attack was not violent is a lie. Fox News must order Tucker Carlson to stop promoting the big lie and stop defending the insurrectionists. Here he is at the Capitol. These lies continue tonight. Rupert Murdoch, who has admitted they were lies and said he regretted it, has a special obligation to stop Tucker Carlson from going on tonight now that he's seen how he has perverted and slimed the truth and from letting him go on again and again and again. Not because their views deserve such opprobrium, but because our democracy depends on it. Now, Ohio Senator J.D. Vance said in response to Schumer's comments, quote, Today, I was asked by multiple reporters about Tucker's show last night. I was asked zero times about one of the most powerful figures in government actively promoting censorship of a media figure. The assault on our democracy is this. Mm. I, I agree with J.D. Vance. I don't. Uh, I don't think it's appropriate at all for a political figure like Chuck Schumer to be in, I mean, I get he's giving his opinion fine, but he's saying, you know, he's I- I- implying the, all the government power that comes with, you know, his office, that he would marshal that against 
Tucker for saying things he doesn't like. Now, you don't have to think this was a good segment or it was a good idea. He absolutely has the right to release this footage, the video footage. I think the public should decide for themselves what they think about additional context for what happened on January 6th. To say that Schumer, I have to believe, knows better. Sure, they have their ongoing crisis with Trump in January 6th, and woe betide anyone who takes away their precious. But what's AOC's excuse? Here's CNN on AOC's call for censorship one year ago. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, let's put on screen her recent tweet about her Carlson. Carlson was smearing her for, for a long time on Friday night. She responded by saying, I want to know why is Tucker allowed and paid to engage in clear, targeted, libelous harassment that endangers people and drives so many violent threats that people have to fundraise for their own safety, that they have to fundraise to protect themselves. David Zerwick, your reaction to this, uh, people on every side in the public, public space get threats. Tucker Carlson's family gets threats. But AOC's point is, these you know, individuals that he goes after who don't have the resources Tucker has, they end up feeling endangered. And she's using the word libelous. What do you read into that, David? You listen, I, I really, you know, I've been watching. In July 2020, I was already worried about AOC's public embrace and defense of cancel culture. What does that mean when a member of Congress says it on Twitter? Where will that go, ultimately, I wondered. For podcast listeners, two tweets by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The first, people who are actually canceled don't get their thoughts published and amplified in major outlets. This has been a public service announcement. And the second, the term cancel culture comes from entitlement, as though the person complaining has the right to a large captive audience and one is a victim if people choose to tune them out. Odds are you're not actually canceled, you're just being challenged, held accountable, or unliked. Any citizen activist can call for the deplatforming or cancellation of speech they don't like. It's gross, but it's not technically censorship. When a member of Congress does it, however, it does seem to cross a line we didn't used to cross without pushback from the public. Here's Glenn Greenwald on AOC. On Sunday, the day before Fox separated from Tucker Carlson, I'm not suggesting this was the reason at all. In fact, if I had to bet, I would believe it's a coincidence. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went on to the show, the new MSNBC show of Jen Psaki, who was the beloved by Democrats, former White House press secretary for Joe Biden. And she, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, at Jen Psaki's prodding, called for the government, the Biden administration, to ban Tucker Carlson from being allowed on television, claiming that regulations and laws prevent him from being heard. Let's listen, first of all, to what this little tyrant had to say while she was on MSNBC on Sunday. of certain communities of Americans based on identity. This week, Fox News settled their defamation lawsuit with Dominion Voting Systems for $787.5 million, a, a lot of money. Uh, it's now one of the largest media defamation settlements in history. Do you think in making this settlement, Dominion's lawyers made a mistake in not requiring Fox acknowledge on air that it lied to its viewers? Well, this was a corporation suing another corporation for material damages. Mm -hmm. Their job is to go in and get the most money that they can. And I think that they did that. They are not lawyers for the American public. And I think what is best for the country 
what would have been best for the country would have been to demand that and to not settle until we got that. Uh, but that is not their role. And so for us, I think this really raises much larger questions. Uh, very often, I believe that we leave to the courts to solve issues that politics is really supposed to solve, that our legislating is supposed to solve. We have very real issues with um, what is permissible on air. And we saw that with January 6th. Mm -hmm. And we saw that in the lead up to January 6th and how we navigate questions, not just of freedom of speech, but also accountability for incitement of violence. These are, this is the line that we have to really explore through law as well. And okay, so that is an amazing statement already, even though it's not the most offensive part. She was saying, I wish we could have gotten the full trial in the Dominion suit, but that's not Dominion's job to expose Fox and hold them accountable. We should be doing that. We, the politicians, should be using the power of law and government to be holding Fox accountable and to making decisions about what is and is not permitted on the air. She wants the government to have that role in controlling Fox, in deciding which Fox shows are not permissible. That's exactly what she just said. And if you think that that is a wrong interpretation or an exaggeration, listen to what comes next. I think media organizations or social media platforms should be accountable for the role, for, for being platforms for incitement. I believe that when it comes to broadcast television, like Fox News, these are subject to to federal law, federal regulation. In terms All right, let me just stop there. Because like so much of what she says, it is not just authoritarian, but incredibly stupid and ignorant. Broadcast television is not Fox News. There are laws that apply to broadcast television because networks have a finite amount of uh, bandwidth that the US government has always doled out. And in exchange, they were required to agree to certain conditions on what they can and can say. That is not the case for cable. So the laws that govern broadcast news have never applied to cable, which is where Fox News happens to be. So the entire legal framework she just invoked is stupid and ignorant. But let's listen to what she says beyond that. For, for being platforms for incitement, I believe that when it comes to broadcast television, like Fox News, these are subject to, to federal law, federal regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence, very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with. I mean, she just said it outright, that the government has laws about what is and isn't permissible on television. Tucker Carlson and other folks on Fox have crossed that line, and therefore they should not be permitted on television. It's the government that has to step in and enforce these rules. What rules is she talking about? What is she even talking about? This is what I can gather. Under the Supreme Court doctrine that protects the First Amendment in an extremely broad way, the only exception 
that the Supreme Court has recognized that it is not First Amendment speech of the kind she's describing is in the case of Brandenburg versus Ohio. And in that case, that was a case where a leader of the Ku Klux Klan stood up in a speech and vowed on behalf of the Ku Klux Klan that violence might become justifiable if leaders continue to act against white people. He was prosecuted on the grounds that it was terrorist speech or supporting violence. And the Supreme Court in Brandenburg rejected that prosecution, overturned it, and said that you're even allowed to advocate violence under the First Amendment. That is protected speech. That, after all, is how our revolution started, by people saying the king has become, the British crown has become so repressive that violence is justifiable. You're allowed to say that, to advocate the abstract justifiability of violence. The only thing you can't do is the imminent incitement of violence. And by that, the court means you're on a street corner with a mob gathered, and you tell the mob, go burn down that house, where you're basically instructing them imminently within the next few minutes to go and burn down that house, to go and use violence. That's the only exception the Brandenburg carved out, court carved out. And she's trying to say Tucker is within that and other Fox hosts are within that where they're imminently inciting violence because she knows someone told her that's the phrase you have to invoke in order to justify censorship. When has Tucker Carlson ever imminently incited violence in his life? And the fact that she's sitting here calling on the government, the Biden administration, to ban adversary media, arguing that the only conservative network in the country should be banned by the government makes her and the people who follow her as authoritarian and tyrannical and fascist and whatever other cliched words you want to use to describe that as anyone in this country. If you are at the point where you're demanding that the government ban adversarial opposition, oppositional media, there is no faction more authoritarian than that and no political figure more authoritarian than hers. And I just want to be clear that this is the extremely defining standard view of left liberal politics in America. She has not said anything aberrational or unusual or out of the ordinary for left liberal politics, which is why not a single left liberal media figure, not a single one of her prominent followers have stood up and objected because they agree with her. They support state corporate censorship. We just showed you this. Then AOC gloated on social media. Here are Brianna Joy Gray and Robbie Suave on AOC. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, what I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that is arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats, not just to my office, but to plenty of people across the country. Um, I also kind of feel like I'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a Marvel movie after all the credits have rolled. And then you see like the villains like hand reemerge out to grip, grip over like the end of a building or something. But Deplatforming works, and it is important. And um, there you go. Good things can happen.
wielding the infinity gauntlet and is going to snap his fingers. I think you'd like make, that. You uh, couldn't resist. You disagree with what she's saying substantively, but I you do respect the Marvel illusion. Absolutely. I strongly disagree with what uh, with what she had to say there. Um, I, I know there's this debate among progressive people about deplatforming, etc. This is not an example of deplatforming. Uh, he was not, you know, like shut out of public speaking spaces because of protesting or, or, or pressure, and now he's not going to get his message out anymore because he was deplatformed. He was, he was not deplatformed. He was he was exited from Fox News. We are coming to understand uh, for reasons that are not totally clear. I've expressed my theories in several other segments, but it, it, no one is suggesting it is, it is AOC accused Carlson of inciting violence and death threats against her. She and others in the Democratic Party continually attempted to tie what people said on Fox News to what happened on January 6th. Ignoring everything they've said that has led to real-world violence, like the congressional baseball shooting against Republicans or a death threat on Justice Kavanaugh. Does she think Tucker Carlson doesn't get death threats? I know it doesn't count because he's a white male, but still, if we're talking about incitement, then it's a fair point. AOC's fantastical imaginings took her further by adding sex and rape into the mix about January 6th. She could imagine it, then it must be true. And at the very least, censorship is fully justified. I think one of the reasons why that impact was so doubled that day is because of, how, of the misogyny and the racism that is so deeply rooted and animated um, that attack on the Capitol. You know, white supremacy, and patriarchy are very linked in a lot of ways. There's a lot of sexualizing of that violence. And um, I didn't think that I was just going to be killed. I thought other things were going to happen to me as well. So what sounds like what you're telling me right now is that you didn't only think that you were going to die, you thought you were gonna be raped. Yeah, yeah, I thought I was. And that you now understand having thought about it is because of your experience. Yeah, yeah, I think so, I think so. Survivors have very strong sex skills. If AOC had the power to censor cable news hosts, does anyone think she would hesitate? She's granted herself unlimited freedom to say whatever she wants on television, in Congress and on social media. Yet she has to silence others and deplatform them because with happy fascists, it can only go one way. If you can control what people say, you can control what they think. And if you can control what they think, you can control reality. Free speech is now harm. Harm is now impact. And intent no longer matters. Cancel culture is holding people accountable. And censorship is deplatforming. Here's a video, What Orwellian Really Means by Noah Tavlin. This might sound like something that can only happen in totalitarian regimes. But Orwell was warning us about the potential for this occurring even in democratic societies. And this is why authoritarian alone does not Orwellian make. In his essay, Politics and the English Language, he described techniques like using pretentious words to project authority or making atrocities sound acceptable by burying them in euphemisms and convoluted sentence structures. 
but even more mundane abuses of language can affect the way we think about things. The words you see and hear in everyday advertising have been crafted to appeal to you and affect your behavior, as have the soundbites and talking points of political campaigns, which rarely present the most nuanced perspective on the issues. And the way that we use ready-made phrases and responses, gleaned from media reports or copied from the internet, makes it easy to get away with not thinking too deeply or questioning your assumptions. Happy fascists can't risk allowing the public to decide for themselves. The only speech allowed is that which backs up but never contradicts their ultimate authority. When dissidents are banished to the outer regions, even on YouTube, Getter, or Substack, they're less of a threat than if they are dissenting on a large platform like Fox News. In taking control of the mainstream media narrative, they control everything from official policy and government to what they teach in schools and what they push in healthcare and what major media figures get to say. This is how you get to Chuck Todd blindly accepting what activists have forced upon him by regarding gender-affirming care. Here is Vivek Ramaswamy confronting him on it. Well, look, there isn't a state in this union that allows you to smoke an addictive cigarette before the age of 18 that allows you to get a tattoo before the age of 18. That's a body-altering change that a kid may later regret in life. So I think it is perfectly reasonable to say that if you're after 18 years old, you're free to decide whatever you want to do. That's what it means to live in a free country. But below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers you're for the purpose of that, gender transition. But how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know? Are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is uh, as binary as you're describing it? Are you confident that I it am. isn't a spectrum? I uh, am. Do you know I'm, this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes if you're a woman, an X and a Y. That means there's you're a man. There's a lot of scientific research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. And I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, mm -hmm. what they're asking for is, you got to ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing right. our medical understanding I, for the last I, I go 100 back years. To this. If a parent is dealing with a child that has these, that yes. may have these issues, trust me, the parent, the last thing they want to do is consider something like this. But if that is what they think could help their child pursue happiness or they're not to kill themselves, I, why take away that option? Again, it, why shouldn't it be up to the parent? So part of why parents now suddenly feel that way, let's ask ourselves that, Chuck, because we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. So part of what I think is, listen, gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it mm -hmm. is a condition of suffering. My question is, why on earth are we going out of our way mm -hmm. to create even more of it? And there's no doubt that the cultural movement in this country, even education, is creating more gender dysphoria. If it's a condition of suffering, yeah. let's not create more of it. That's what we're doing. Let me ask you about the Disney dust off sure. with Ron DeSantis. On one hand, I assume you agree uh, with pushing back at Disney the way Governor Joe Disney Biden, via his speechwriters, has become adept at newspeak. He sends the exact right messages to the bootlickers in the press to make sure they're all on point with what the Democrats will be selling. Here is a translation of one key paragraph in Biden's speech to the press at the correspondence dinner. He says, The truth matters. Translation, our narrative must be obeyed. He said, 
As I said last year at this dinner, a poison is running through our democracy. Translation, we're the only people who get to decide what happens to this country, our country, he said, and parts of the extreme press. Translation, Fox News, but especially Tucker Carlson. He said, the truth buried by lies and lies living on as truth. Translation, anyone who questioned the methods employed by our well-funded cabal on the 2020 election is a seditionist liar. How dare anyone question anything we do with our wealth and our lawyers and our ability to bury the truth by changing the words of things. He said, lies told for profit and power. Translation, I sat in a basement and did no campaigning and had no one attend my rallies because, oh wait, I didn't do any. But I am the leader of the happy fascists and you will accept me as the one everyone wanted and voted for. No, it wasn't a usual election. But if you try to explain it or uncover any truth about what happened, you are a liar. He said, Lies of conspiracy and malice repeated over and over again designed to generate a cycle of anger, hate, and even violence. Translation, we are the only side that gets to tell lies that lead to violence, like Jacob Blake was unarmed and was there to break up a fight. Do you know how Kamala Harris and I stood by the Blake family and called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist and ignored all of the pain and suffering of every resident in Kenosha? based on a lie that was halfway around the world before the truth was putting its boots on? Was that the only lie we told that has led to violence? No, we told endless lies about Trump and MAGA, dehumanized them for seven years, and the result was real-world violence. Remember when a Trump supporter was shot on the streets? We don't like the populace showing up at our capital. We're the only ones allowed to bang on doors and chant, this is what democracy looks like. We get to disrupt official proceedings and be hailed as heroes. You don't. You can't, because we will call you terrorists if you try. Our power is so well protected that just one story by Tucker Carlson threatened to expose layers and layers of censorship and authoritarianism. He said, a cycle that emboldens history to be buried. Translation, enforcing a hierarchy that says you are defined only by your skin color. If you're born white, no matter your class or wealth, you are an oppressor and you have all the privilege. You are oppressed if you are born black or brown, no matter your class or wealth. You must wait for a white person to give you a job or an award. How do you think Kamala Harris became vice president? Only with me, as the white savior-in-chief, doing it for her. That's the message we demand you shove down our children's throats, or you are denying history. He said, books to be banned. Translation, we are the ones who get to censor books by changing words and deciding whether or not Books like Irreversible Damage should be blocked from public view. For podcast listeners, a tweet from Abigail Schreier that says, quote, Irreversible Damage is the book with the most requests that it be banned in Canada in the last 15 years, and libraries in the U.S. refuse to carry it, even when offered as a donation. Yet it's rarely included on banned book lists in U.S. media. Why is that? End quote. And she's responding to a tweet by Chelsea Clinton that says, quote, over 50% of the attempted book bans last year involved books with LGBTQ characters and themes. Books are a vital way that children, adolescents, and adults learn about themselves and our world. Bans such as these are nothing but harmful, end quote. And a note added for context from Twitter that says, Gender Queer, the book shown in the photo, features sexually explicit material. This book contains visual depictions of oral sex, masturbation, and adult sexual contact with a minor. End quote. 
But you aren't allowed to decide because our side, the happy fascists, aren't giving you the option. We will shout you down, viciously attack you, and call you a transphobic bigot if you try. What are you so uptight about anyway? Why shouldn't elementary school kids give books about erections and blowjobs? Relax, it's a science. He said, children and families to be attacked by the state. Translation, we think it should be mandated that prepubescent children who want to change their genders take puberty blockers that often render them infertile. We think it's perfectly fine that the male penis shrivels up, rendering it dysfunctional. We advocate for taking medication that will cause female organs to atrophy, and we're fully on board with removing healthy breast tissue from minors. How is this any different from female circumcision performed in some cultures in Africa because they affect the very definition of what it means to be female? Even if one of the girls felt like she had to do it, that she would kill herself if she could not, and that no man would want to marry her if she didn't go through with it. Most would reasonably object to this barbaric practice, and yet, here we are doing the same thing, and no one is allowed to talk about it? He said, And the rule of law and our rights and freedoms to be stripped away. Translation, the only rights for women we fight for now are the right to abort their children, which we count as a freedom. But note, not once is the word woman used because we don't recognize women's rights anymore. He said, and where elected representatives of the people are expelled from state houses for standing up for the people. Translation, we're the only ones who get to stop official proceedings with a bullhorn and activate a group of protesters inside our capital. That makes us standing up for the people because remember, in our utopia, only those compliant with the narrative and truth are allowed to protest and occupy government buildings. If you do it, you're a terrorist. Will the real fascists please stand up? If Trump had been a fascist, he would have shot protesters on the spot in the summer of 2020. He would have put every journalist, comedian, or ordinary citizen who criticized him in jail. No one on Twitter, on social media, would be allowed to mock or criticize him. MAGA hats would be required for every student in public schools. Well... A protester was shot on the spot on January 6th, and many more were thrown in solitary, punished, and tried for their perceived ideology. Tucker Carlson was the only journalist with the courage and empathy to report on the death of Ashley Babbitt. Two years ago today, a Capitol Hill police officer called Michael Byrd shot an unarmed woman in the neck. At the time of that killing, Byrd had a documented history of gross negligence with a firearm. He left a loaded Glock pistol in a public men's room at the Capitol, which for a law enforcement official is a firing offense. But for some reason, Michael Byrd was still in the force that day. The woman he killed was called Ashley Babbitt. Babbitt was a married 14-year veteran of the U.S. military. She ran a pool cleaning company with her husband in San Diego. Physically, she was tiny. She was also unarmed. Michael Byrd later admitted he had no indication at all that Babbitt was carrying a weapon. She posed no visible threat. He killed her anyway. Under normal circumstances, Byrd would have been fired immediately and charged with murder, which he clearly committed. But that's not what happened. After doing essentially no investigation into the shooting, Nancy Pelosi's congressional police force declared Byrd a national hero, and the media strongly agreed. Byrd went on television to accept accolades and to complain about racism. He was never punished for killing Ashley Babbitt. He was rewarded for it. Ashley Babbitt's mother, meanwhile, got a very different sort of treatment. Babbitt's mother was arrested today in Washington 
by the Capitol Police. Her crime? Trying to hold a memorial service for her daughter. Two years later, it's clear that... The happy fascists monitor what people wear, what they watch, what they write. And if they commit a thought crime, they will be publicly humiliated and shamed and maybe fired, then cast out of utopia. Even likes on Twitter can be a problem for the happy fascists. It's gotten so bad that a professor had to issue a withering apology for liking too many tweets about the dangers of the vaccine or questioning the official narrative on gender. The chief executive officer of Thomas Jefferson University, Mark Tikosinski, a Yale-educated molecular immunologist, got into hot water when he liked too many tweets by Alex Berenson and another that called gender reassignment surgery child mutilation. In his apology, Tikosinski said, quote, This is not my clinical area of expertise. In general, any issue involving children should be referred to the clinical experts at children's hospitals who offer the full complement of services necessary, end quote. The biggest story of the year the media won't cover. As the media gathered to celebrate themselves at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, a story was breaking on Matt Taibbi's Racket News via the Twitter files. It details how top-tier reporters gathered together for a table read of what might happen should a story break as an October surprise involving Burisma and the Hunter Biden laptop. Quote, On the new revelations about the Aspen Institute's Burisma incident tabletop exercise, which were first reported by Michael Schellenberger in December, new details came out in a Twitter files release by Andrew Lowenthal last week. Here is Walter Kern talking to Matt Taibbi on their episode of America This Week. Here we, let's just, you know, put a boundary around this. The biggest story of the month before the last presidential election was anticipated by major news outlets and pre-arranged and pre-scripted such that with such detail that they that they gamed out the day that the one candidate Trump would shift his rhetoric to a certain level that's the specificity with which they were trying to model this story and create uh, a version of it in advance that was uh, amenable to their side. Caught red-handed in a way that I could put on a movie screen and, 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 and show you in every respect is, is, is a complete dystopian version of what how the press works i mean uh i don't know that there's a movie about the authoritarian totalitarian um press operations in the world that has this uh vividness um you know usually it's it's you know some movie about the eastern Bloc or something Uh, a bureaucrat gives a note to some uh uh bent over gray 1984-ish apparatchik who then passes it on, you know, but no, I mean, I can practically tell you what they ate for lunch. Um, and, and, and it was, it was a, uh, happy and cheerful and, um, ribald confit. Yeah. 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 So, so there's no longer any mystery about any of this. Okay, Matt, like now we have to ask ourselves, what allows them to behave this way? 
what is their rationale? It can only be what? That well, they won't get invited back to the next tabletop exercise if they don't. It's either some kind of like social inertia in which an insider class has developed and, and kind of has a parallel existence that, you know, answers only to its own internal laws. Or they truly believe that they're saving the frickin' world by well, throwing everything that they ever thought or pretended, at least to the public, was true about journalism overboard. And and this this ties to the to the Pentagon leaker story. I mean, I I, I thought this was an incredibly revealing passage, um, but I put this in the write up of these two threads. This story unravels a level of corruption that puts Watergate to shame. If they need January 6th to be like 9-11 and Pearl Harbor to scare Americans into compliance, then they also need to keep burying their corruption scandal that proves, yes, they did rig the election, and yes, the Trump supporters had a right to protest how it all went down. How convenient to get rid of the only prominent voice in cable news that could call them out publicly and hold the powerful to account. Once upon a time, that's what journalists did in this country. The good news is that cable news is all but dead anyway. We can be hopeful that Carlson will remain a powerful voice of dissent once again, the moment someone hands him a microphone. Thank you for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. And remember... To thine own self be true.